0: Welcome to Tell Me More Live, the recorded version of our live storytelling night at the Push Comedy Theater in Norfolk, Virginia. In this recording, teaches storytelling over at the the Muse, and she's the the woman I'd like to grow up in, to be one day. Give it up for Sheila Arnold. <laughs> Well, I would encourage you first to uh, darken your skin, but not use uh, uh, maybe an oven would be nice, and cut, have shorter hair and no beard. And you'll be good. How are you all today? Okay. I'm going to ask a favor. Can I see people? Could you make it so I can see people? Can you? Oh, gosh, it's so much better. I really like looking at you. Oh, not you, but uh, you. You know, I'm just. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm so glad to be here again. And um, I had the wonderful time last year to do a lot of performances. I'm a professional storyteller. That's my job. I get to go around and I get to talk and people pay me. And it's wonderful. And so if you ever like a job like that, let me know and I'll help you. You know, get paid to talk. It's kind of fun. But last year I had so much fun because I went to do something I'd never done before that I always wanted to do. It was kind of a bucket list thing. I went to Coney Island. And I had wanted to go to Coney Island, and I had this opportunity because I was going to be performing in Brooklyn at a friend's house, and I couldn't stay with her. She was like, Come stay at my house. I said, I can't stay because she has five cats. And I would have died in her house. I would not have been able to come. But I had to perform on the day that I was going to be there. And I said, I really will. I just have enough time. I can only be at your house a short period of time, you know, do my performance and get the heck out because I would die. So I said, I'm going to stay in Coney Island. My friend said, oh, that'd be great because I had never been there. So I found a cheap hotel, and, and I woke up that day. I didn't have to perform, and I went into Coney Island. after The night before, we had eat, eaten eaten at a, a pizza place that was the best pizza I've ever had. And they were over 100 years old, this place was. It was a small, tiny little place, hardly any place to sit. Nobody was in there. When we went out at 6.30, I was a little worried, but my friend had heard it was great. They sold one thing pizza they did not sell subs chips pizza and they sold pizza not by the slice but a full pizza and when I walked in she said and we don't have any mediums (laughs) so we get a large yep and she didn't care if we walked out and I said there's not a whole lot of people here there were before you and I'm like oh my gosh But we saw on the wall a picture of Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali. He signed it when he became Muhammad Ali. We saw on the wall 1930. We saw when the bombing happened and the war started. It was on her walls. And these were actual things that were from that time period. It was amazing. Best pizza in the world. And then the next day I went into Coney Island. I ate Nathan's hot dogs. You know, not just from the wiener hole, but from Nathan's. And, and in Nathan's, there's no place to sit, so you stand and eat. And it was wonderful. And I paid an extraordinary amount to stand and eat. And then I walked down and, and I got onto the the boardwalk and I just watched and it was cold. It was November and of last year this happened and so it was cold and, and I watched the water come in and I was happy with life and it was just amazing. I watched and I saw rubies and all these things that I'd, I'd heard about. And then on the way back, I was, had to get back to the hotel, and, and on the way back, just walking on the boardwalk, I, I stopped, I got stopped because I saw the people that were going to run into the water. Every Sunday, the folks that, I forget what they're called, the, the people that are weird, the polar bear people, run into the water, which sounds great during the summer. I cannot imagine. It was freezing cold. It was already in the 30s. And they were initiating people that day to go run into the water. So I got there as they're all standing up with their, their jackets on that say polar bears. And, and they're gathering together. And then out came a couple. They were going to be initiated. And so they had on their, their top and the swimming trunks. And, and, but then they said, somebody said, do you have the sticks? I didn't know what that meant. Then I watched them bring out these sticks, the long sticks that were gathered, um, had um, strings and different uh, uh, different designs on them, and they had a bucket there of looked like water or soapy water, and they got into the middle of the boardwalk and they dipped those strings into the water and they lifted it up and pulled back and the bubbles came out, huge, big bubbles. And every time they did it, adults and kids just cheered. Little kids ran around looking for it. And I was sitting there, and a smile on my face, they were bubbles. <laughs> and it was just awesome. And, and everybody was excited, but one bubble went up one time. One bubble went up, and a man was walking, and that bubble came toward me. Woo! <laughs> and it sent me back. It sent me back to Malawi, in 2016, the worst year of my life. In that year, I went to Malawi, a small country on the eastern side of Africa. I went with the team. I was walking through a time where my husband and I were not connecting. It was awful, I was hurting. And I had gone from one conference to do some storytelling teaching to another conference, and I was exhausted. And yet, I was already ready and scheduled to go to Malawi. I was looking forward to any way to get out of going to Malawi. I was hoping I might get sick. Maybe I would die, anything, to prevent from going further. It was the worst time. I had nothing but sadness. I was racked and filled with it. I was lonely, I was miserable. But I had no choice, I was one of the leaders of this group. And so I got on the plane and I had not rested long. So on the, train, on the plane I, I cried a lot. Now, I'd been to Malawi three other times, so I had friends there. And I was excited to see the other, uh, the interpreters that I was friends with. And I was excited to be on the trip with friends, but I was sad. And I didn't do well in that sadness. It just creeped over me. And while I was there, I did a lot of crying. And that isn't the thing you usually do in front of the Malawian people, is bring that There. But we got to use that time to talk about the realness that Americans who are Christians also have difficulties and struggles. We didn't share that a lot over there, trying to look perfect. But we got to share and I did some storytelling with the, with the interpreters and we served them and we listened to their stories. But every evening I went back to my room where this year I didn't have a roommate, and I, I cried. Part of the team that had come with us was a medical part of the team, and a brand-new medical center had been built in one of the villages that we visited. And our medical team had gone to this place that was still being built, but had gone there to provide medical help, to see the people You and I cannot even begin to contemplate what that means. I know many of us may, we want universal health care. And we think it's pretty easy that at least we can go to a 24-hour doctor somewhere. People walked for half a day to get to this medical center. And they saw people that sometimes couldn't do anything more than give them than give them some aspirin, some basic things. While the medical team was doing that, some of us had worked with the children for a little while, but then on one day we decided some of us women had made a day where any of the women that came to us in the village where we were, we would wash we would wash their feet. Now. I know that doesn't sound great anyhow. And I know it sounds like we were trying to be Jesus. We were nowhere close. But what we were trying to do was give them a moment's rest because the women don't rest there. And they walk on their feet all the time. And they walk through the mud and the clay and the dirt. And they do all the work of the home. Not that the men don't do work, but they do a different type of the work. And what we were saying was, come rest. Let us care for you. And so there were times that we came and, and we would wash their feet and wash their hands and we would begin and, and suddenly I would begin to sing Great is thy faithfulness O God thy Father The next thing I know they would sing that song in Chichewa, their language Amazing grace How sweet the sound And the, the languages would mix together as we sang together and the women would sit with us and we'd we'd wash their feet and take their hands and we'd give them lotion and we'd we'd let them rest a moment and give them gifts and then we ran out of gifts and so it was getting late and we went over to where the team was every year when we went there we always brought bubbles for the kids we'd blow bubbles and if you ever wanted to attract Malawian children it went boom they were there 150 children it's great and so when we would take the kids with us the teenagers with us we'd say bring bubbles and they, they would go okay and they, they said well what happens if you blow up? Boom. Like, boom oh. and so teenage kids would like blow bubbles everywhere they went well we had some bubbles left over and, and we got over there and there were these women waiting to go in women that had walked a long time Women hoping that someone could check their eye, could tell them why their baby was crying, could see why their pain was on the inside, could give them some hope, check something out, maybe give something. And we had an awesome team that ran out of medicine the first day they arrived. But were so determined, they went into town to three different stores to buy as much medicine, spending their own money. Bring to these people. So they were waiting, the ladies to go in in their own ways. I thought, bubbles. It was pretty sad, and I was tired. But I brought out the bubble, and I, you know, because it's what I did. So I brought out the bubble, and I blew a bubble, and one of the women, went, oh! <laughs> and then I realized she'd never seen a bubble. And then it popped and went on her face. Oh! And I blew another one. And the women would run around and, and they would push it away. And they would look at it and then they would see the colors in the side of it. You remember when you were a kid that the colors inside of the bubble were cool? And they would see it and... And then it would pop and they oh they hated the pop because that meant something got on them. But then I, I blew the bubble and I would push the bubble a little bit. Oh. Then they wanted to touch the bubble. Then I put the bubble wand or whatever we called that in front of them. Oh, oh. Pretty much it was that's really cool. Just in a language I didn't understand. And then someone said, Oh, oh. oh. And I watched as a bubble made a way to the heart of people. And I realized everything I had inside of me that God would treat it like a bubble it was going to be okay. And I came back to watching that bubbles lifted up and waved in Coney Island in 2018 in what was now the best year of my life, where I had grown and I was strong, where I knew who I was, where I wasn't with the man I had loved and we would not ever be together again because of divorce, but I knew that I had done all I could. So I smiled as I remembered where I had been, where I had come, and bubbles. If you'd like to tell a story like this one, or just enjoy the show, visit tellmemorelive.org. That's tellmemorelive.org. Where you'll find a list of upcoming shows, plenty of ways to pitch your story, and our podcast featuring storytellers from previous shows. Until next time, thanks for listening to Tell Me More Live.